0: Studio for Writers presents Lit Lessons, a podcast for storytellers. From specific aspects of craft to breakdowns of well-known work in print, we talk about the inner workings of the creative process. In this episode, we discuss John Steinbeck's classic of Mice and Men. We identify the hero, the inner and outer arc, and make scene and plot comparisons between the book and the movie version starring Gary Sinise and John Malkovich. To get the most out of these conversations, it's probably good to read the book or at least read the plot summary online. And what you'll be hearing are excerpts from the various classes that discuss this book at the Blackbird Studio for Writers. Enjoy. Enjoy. Are there in of mice and men And how did you come to that determination? Found four. Yes. We're gonna found four. Ten. Ten. Ten locations.
1: Well, okay, ten scenes, I mean, so far.
0: Ten scenes or ten locations?
1: Ah, okay. Locations. Okay, four.
0: <laughs> settings. I Imagine settings. it like a yeah. setting. Okay. Yeah, settings. How many settings? Okay, so Joe got why did you say ten though?
2: Well, well, I, mean, I started breaking way. them up into scenes because, right. Right. Okay. you know, it's not, it's the same location, but it's a different
0: scene. Yeah, it's a different scene. Okay, we'll go there in a second. We're just talking settings mm-hmm. right now.
1: All right, I'm about halfway through and I've come up with six. Six settings. In, I yeah. So up to page 49. Mm-hmm. Okay. Five. Mm-hmm. Right. Five settings.
3: Okay.
0: Six. Six settings. Okay. Now,
3: are they different settings? But they you, now you're back? saying settings, but yeah. last week you said location. Same. Location, setting. Okay. Location. So are they...
0: Back. Yeah, it's the same location, it's just further on in time. Yeah. Mine right? Are, mine are all unique. Okay. I think mine are yeah. unique.
3: Okay. More unique.
0: So um, the two who I mean, had yeah. six, raise your hand. Six. Oh, the four who had six. Okay, so you guys hammer that out. Tell me what the four uh, six locations are. I'm ready. Any one of you four. You guys can also talk among each other. (laughs) One
4: was the river. Two was the
2: bunkhouse. Uh, Three was the bunkhouse again. Yeah.
0: So that's one.
1: Uh, I I got three was the, um, uh, when they were passing the bales uh, outside. I've got the path through the willows, mm-hmm. the sandy bank under the trees, the bunkhouse, mm-hmm. outside the bunkhouse in bright sunshine, the wash house, and the horseshoe pit, um, and that's up through half the book.
2: Um, I have frogs, uh, little shan Yeah, I have that mm-hmm. There's also the scene on the road when they're on their way to the ranch. Yeah. That's the first um, one I think it
3: mm-hmm. I have, um... Are you talking about the movie or are you talking about the book?
2: I'm talking about the movie. No! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oops. Because the movie does have the road uh, <laughs> And the horseshoe pit. But I don't think the book yeah. has the horseshoe no, pit. Where's no, the
2: sound, you hear, but don't. You you hear it outside. outside. Yeah. But they're outside.
3: the no horseshoe pit. Yeah. I thought it
0: was on... Page 39. Why don't you read the top of that page?
1: There was a clang of horseshoe on Iron State outside in little wheelchair of voices. Okay, but that's outside. 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 outside.
0: The location from which that, that sound is heard is inside, which is inside uh-huh. where? The Bonk The bunkhouse. cows. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But they're, okay, so it
1: doesn't... You're not out there. I okay. That would be a setting. Imagine you're
0: a stage director and you're reading this book and somebody is hearing a sound that's outside. That's not a new setting because we all have don't have to move out there. It's a sound within the loca- location of the bunkhouse. Does
2: that make sense? Okay. Yeah. No, okay. yeah,
0: yeah, okay. So that's, okay, the horseshoe pit, and somebody else said the wash house. Where's the wash house at? Page 33.
1: Uh, about halfway down from the washroom nearby, but that would be, you know, I guess, the same thing. The same. We're referencing it and can picture it. The sound of running water.
0: You're re- you're referencing it, but the narrator, I mean, the the the, the mighty action, is in the bunkhouse, mm-hmm.
3: right? Mm-hmm. I have the last three I had were the bunkhouse, shed off the barn, and the barn shut off the barn. Are you he talking about Crooks? Yeah. Crooks. crooks
2: I had Crooks. Yeah. Okay. He was the harness room
5: My page numbers are different.
0: <laughs> what did you have? How many locate? You said four. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't get, I haven't gotten that far. I had four. Okay, so the six people, the people who had six, talk among yourselves. You said it all. We have the river, we have the bunkhouse, <laughs> We have Crooks's room. We have the barn. We have the horseshoe pit. That's a total of five. We there should be one more. Have one
1: out the path through the willows.
0: Path through the willows. Before they arrive at the riverside. That one, they
1: actually, they really, truly are there.
0: So let me just double check my six people: the river, the bunkhouse, Crooks's room, the barn, the horseshoe pit, and the path through the willows. And then there's also the washroom. I thought we took the horseshoe pit off. We have, yeah, but I, I just want to make sure that that's what mm-hmm. you guys picked up. And we've also taken out the washroom.
1: We've
0: taken out the line. Okay. I had three on the first
1: three pages.
0: Three locations. Isn't this revealing? It's revealing because it shows your understanding of location or setting and how you're applying it to your own writing. And the reason that we don't see this is because it's just blurred around us. We're in a location right now. How much time have you spent? studying it do you know really what's going on at your feet that's part of your location there's a gray Mm -hmm. and a beige and a cream and a tan colored carpet there are three of them and there's this no no luna Right? Oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. no doubt. We've got Mm -hmm. some red tulips. No, wait, what the hell? She always does roses. Why tulips? Well, they're cheaper this week. (laughs) We've got this modern clock. We've got these black framed. We've got that. 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 Is there a reason they're all black frames? Oh, maybe because she's so anal retentive.
2: Blackbird Studio.
0: There's the (laughs) detour sign and her degree to prove her validity. Her name. And there's the bathroom key. And there's the red thing over here, right? See how that balances the red (laughs) with the red? The flowers are red. Uh No, Uh look, 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 look at the location. (laughs) (laughs) Look at your location where you're at. You ignore it all the time. Why? Because if it doesn't have to do with your immediate survival needs, it is blotted out. But as a writer, as a storyteller, you have to do the absolute opposite because you're trying to reach a reader at the level of their comprehension of making images and their comprehension requires you to give them details so they can build this image in their mind and then once the image is built you have to kind of keep reinforcing it by the way we're still in this location so they don't lift into their own minds and float away onto the great rapids of their own thoughts which are as we all know incredibly distracting Right, so that's our job as storytellers, but we don't live that way, therefore we don't write that way. And it just constantly gets blurred. We write like we think, we don't write like we live. And that takes a couple of years to work out. So to help you with definitions, a location is always a place where action takes place. It's part of the setting. How many locations are there? (laughs) There are four core locations The river, and if you want to say the path But no action happens on the path (laughs) I mean, yes, they walk on the path (laughs) I get that (laughs) And I like that you're hanging in there with it Good, there's a path Say five locations But no real action happens on it Other than they enter the prime location, which is the riverbank. And the riverbank, so the first location is the riverbank, in my humble opinion. The second location is the bunkhouse, the third location is Crooks's room, and the fourth location is the barn. And so, in the movie, they do add more locations. They get the road, they get the bucket of the barley out in the field, yeah. and they also get the
2: horseshoe pit. There's the train. They get on
0: mm-hmm. the train. Yeah. Yeah, they're on the train. And the bus. And the bus. I mean, there are a lot more locations in the movie. So, but for the book, which was the thing, the first thing that kind of cracked for me when I was first listening to it, I um, was just like, wow, look at how much he's making happen mm-hmm. in a singular location. And that's so mm-hmm. not modern, right? I mean, that's just not what we currently do. We're constantly going and moving, and that's the way we live now. But if you really look at the way they lived back then, it really was bunkhouse, barn <laughs> and, and, and riverbank, you know, it was pretty much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which made me kind of laugh because he really captures the slowness of the time. Mm-hmm. The the dusty quality too. This kind of mm-hmm. there's nothing more to distract you. And the loneliness within those locations, I thought, was just poignant. They didn't have cell phones and computers, and books were even considered somewhat contemptuous. I'm stuck with books, Crooks says. And I'm like, give me a book. Give me a book. But that's a different world than I live in.
1: Now, did you mention the river?
0: Yes, the river, the bunkhouse, Crooks' room, and the barn. Okay, now the reason that those are locations is because that's where the action tra- takes place, takes place, okay? The very first scene location is page one in the description of a few miles south of Saladad, the Salinas River, right? I mean, that's the set right there. And then we have a very specific description that gets closer and closer. Think. Remember we talked about the wide shot of the camera, mm-hmm. then the medium shot, then the tight shot, go. That's kind of how we write. We don't want to go wide shot, tight shot, medium shot. You know, we want to have this kind of easing in. If you're gonna go back out, medium shot, wide shot, but not wide, tight, wide, medium. You know, it just messes with the reader's mind. Remember, setting isn't just a location. It's the four things, right? It's duration, it's period, it is a conflict, right? Level of conflict. And it's place. And so Steinbeck kind of has to do some really important things in this beginning of this book is he has to set up the period. He has to set up the place. He has to give us a sense of time and there's a level of conflict, too, that these wandering men, and they don't have a place to be, and they just pass on through. and So that, those first few paragraphs are incredibly efficient for setting up a kind of the era, the level of conflict, the place. We're not quite sure how long this story is going to last yet, but that's still part of setting, right? Setting. So when I'm asking you about setting, and then I say, find me a location... I'm telling you to find me an aspect of setting, but setting is so much more. So when you say, well, you told me location, not setting. I'm telling you part of setting. It's a piece of the setting pie, right? I'm asking you to find me a fourth of the setting pie, which is location because the place is where all the arc of the story happens. That's what you're doing. Doing a, lot of <laughs> a few miles south of Soledad, the Salinas River drops in close to the hillside bank and runs deep and green. The water is warm, too, for it has slipped, twinkling over the yellow sands in the sunlight before reaching the narrow pool. This is so beautiful mm-hmm. to give you a sense of time, right? On one side of the river, the golden foothills' slopes curve up to the strong and rocky Gillibon Mountains, but on the valley side, the water is lined With trees willow fresh and green with every spring, carrying in their lower leaf junctures the debris of the winter's flooding, and sycamores with molted white recumbent limbs and branches that arch over the pool. On the sandy bank, under the trees, the leaves lie deep and so crisp that a lizard makes a great skittering if he runs among them. Rabbits come out of the brush to sit on the sand in the evening, and the damp flats are covered with the night tracks of coons and with the spread pads of dogs from the ranches and with the split-wedge tracks of deer that come to drink in the dark. That's so
3: beautiful. Mm -hmm. I know, it's just
0: like, pow. Mm -hmm. There is a path. Through the willows, it's such a gorgeous line. There is a path through the willows. And among the sycamores, a path beaten hard by boys coming down from the ranches to swim in the deep pool, and beaten hard by tramps who come wearily down from the highway in the evening to jungle up near the water. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. Jungle up. In front of the low horizontal limb of a giant sycamore, there is an ash pile made by many fires. The limb is worn smooth by men who have sat on it. So he doesn't say, these are rugged times when a lot of men were on the move and they (laughs) camped out. He doesn't say that. He shows this land affected by this movement, right? I mean, you really get a sense. You don't need to be told directly. Put that on a sticky note. He's storytelling you here. here. Mm -hmm. Evening of a hot day. Now we're in a singular (coughs) moment. This begins the scene. Started the little wind to moving among the trees. The shade climbed up the hills toward the top. On the sandbanks, the rabbits sat as quietly as little gray sculpted stones. And then from the direction of the state highway came the sound of footsteps on crisp sycamore leaves. And because he's done that beautiful thing with the lizard skittering, we already know that sound. We've already been prepped for it. Right. Right? Cool. So artistic and beautiful. Mm-hmm. The rabbits hurried noiselessly for cover. The stilted heron labored up into the air and pounded down the river. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. The rise, the weight of that bird. You can really mm-hmm. sense that. For, the mom- <laughs> for a moment, the place was lifeless, and then two men emerged from the path and came into the opening by the green pool, isn't that beautiful foreshadowing? For a moment the place was lifeless. When you look at the entire book here, it will be because a life is lost that this place will be returned to and another life will go, right? The lifelessness, that's a little seed of foreshadowing. They have walked in single file down the path and even in the open one stayed behind the other and now we're close in and we're describing the men, right? First location, then we get into the people in the location and really, he describes this, just the heck out of these guys, which is another rule, right? One of those rules. All right, so not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but if you're not smitten with John Steinbeck by now, mm. well, I just don't know what to do with
2: you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sinise's audiobook was awesome, too. Oh
0: my God, so
2: beautiful. Yeah.
0: So, who's the hero? Let's talk about that. Who's the hero? Who changes the most?
2: Well, it's hard oh, not to say works. Lenny because he ends up dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but did, yeah. that Who may disqualify him. Probably
1: George. So George. we
0: say George. Someone says yes. George. Why George? What what what
1: case can you make there? He winds up killing his best friend. At that, uh, on the first... He page, foreshadowed page. that
2: really well, too, the tension between them. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: So tell me what, you want to read me a line there, Linda? Um On uh, the
2: second page, uh, George had <coughs> told me, don't drink so much, you going to be sick. George was Lenny's caretaker.
0: Okay. So, um, what Linda's saying is on page, uh, well, for me, for the smaller book you have, don't drink so much. Um, Lenny, Lenny, for God's sake, don't drink so much. Lenny, you're going to be sick like you was last night. So, George has established himself as the caregiver of Lenny. Yeah. And it gets repeated throughout, that we travel together, we look out for each other, that's what we're about. I, I promised your aunt I'd take good care of you. And it's also in the actions in weed, that he slept in an irrigation they went into the irrigation ditch all night breathing you know in the reeds while the lynching mob went by and so he was willing to risk so much for Lenny and that he would you have the sense that he will continue to risk so much for Lenny right and that he wants to make a safe place for Lenny even with the rabbits and a home and His own. I think it's more than a stake. I think he wants a place where Lenny will be safe, but he doesn't overtly say that. I think he also has a dream for his own place. Mm -hmm. A man should have his
2: own place. In some respects, George didn't change at all. He started out protecting Lenny, Lenny, and in the end, he was still protecting Lenny. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, so is George the hero then? I think so. So, But he has to change. He has to change. So if you don't think he changed, then that makes him a a specky hero.
5: Well, but he changes from having this dream about the future with their own place and the rabbits to really being forced by circumstances to abandon that. You
0: know, well, okay, in the beginning, he's be- protecting him. In, in the end, he kills him. That's a pretty big change,
5: yeah.
0: <laughs> right? So he's changed. Right. Yeah. He's gone 180 degrees. Yeah. So that's a hero, right? Isn't he still protecting
2: them? And the then there's the it no. in a way. is yes, of course, his has- red.
0: Yeah, that's a good oh. foreshadowing. All over your beans. Yeah. Um, okay. So if we've established that George is the hero, then what's the outer arc? What's the outer arc for George? What What is What is he after? What's at stake? Is it just I will do whatever it takes to protect Lenny? I mean, is that what we're wondering? I think
2: like his masculinity is at stake. His, his identity as a man is at stake <laughs> because he, he wants to have all these things because he thinks he should, not because he really needs them.
0: All right. Well, that might be an inner arc that's a very deep psychological study of him okay let's think about the bird artist what was at stake at the bird artist will margaret and fabian get together that was always at stake because there was always something pitching back against that right with the marriage so that was the outer arc like the, there was a love love arc so the arc with george is
1: Will the two of them end up getting a place of their own where they can raise rabbits and have more Yeah, will,
0: will they end up in a safe place? Will the two of them end up in the same place?
1: Because he does describe the two dreams. The
2: one is I want a place of my own, and the other one is a place for him with George,
5: right? Yeah, there's some real tension between I want problem. to take care of George and also life would be so much easier if I wasn't okay. dragging yeah. Lenny. I okay. I want to take care of Lenny, but life would be so much easier if I wasn't dragging him around.
0: So will they end up in the safe place or get a stake, right? You could also argue that the outer arc is, will Lenny screw mm-hmm. up?
2: Yeah, there's a real sense of being here I
0: mean, all, you're always chewing on your nails. What's yeah. Lenny going to do now? What's going to happen? <laughs> will Lenny screw up again? So the inner arc is what? I mean... I don't know if this is right, but I'm asking, who is George without Lenny? I mean, is that the interior arc? Is he, I mean, what is George really after? I know you've talked about masculinity and the providing for, but maybe it's a little simpler than that. Like, who is George without having Lenny with him? I think he's lonely, like, Uh, and he has to face his own loneliness, because Lenny is there for, but first he talks about Lenny being somebody he tormented for the fun of tormenting him, but he came, his character changed, he realized, poor, poor son of a dumb son of a bitch, he got, I just felt terrible tormenting him, and then Slim is like, he ain't bad, he's a good man. He's kind. Nobody has to look too far to see that that's true. He's a kind person. And so George, in being with Lenny, becomes a kinder person. And it's shown right in that story he tells Slim. Like, I'm a better person because of Lenny. He's not saying it that new agey, but so who is George without Lenny? George grows with Lenny in his presence. He's becoming a better, finer version of himself. And Slim even says, you know, you are a smart guy. And he says, if I was so smart, I wouldn't be bucking barley. So George has a low sense of himself. And Lenny brings out something better in him, the protective nurturing qualities mm. and the kinder qualities. There's, yeah, there's this nurturing, feminine maybe. The feminine comes out in George. So, and, and really this is a world bereft of the feminine that kills the feminine, right. right? Every primal being, creature that comes into Lenny's presence, it's too fragile, it gets destroyed until the girl comes along and she gets destroyed. The one girl. And they all want her, but they all know she's bad. So there's no feminine here. So what's at stake for George without Lenny is that he also is gonna become this crustified, feminineless,
2: lonely,
0: person. lonely mean. And they even talked about men being mean. When they're alone and they don't have someone to care for, they become mean, right? And you see examples of that all around. Carlson, Curly, right? The, the father who runs the ranch, they're mean. So I don't know if you've thought about this book in this way, but if you haven't finished this book and you start reading again or you decide to go listen to perhaps Gary Sinise's recording or you're watching the movie, then you know, think about these two arcs and test them. I want you to disagree with me. I want you to come in and say, the path is a setting. I want you to come in and say, the wash house is a setting. I want you to say, well, I think the hero is actually slim. Or Lenny or Curly you know let me know because I want you to test these things they're no good unless you test them yeah so go and read and see if this is the inner arc in your opinion because there's always the outer story and then there's the inner story and the inner story the outer story is what allows the inner story to happen because we have to have that sense as a reader that we're being pulled through What will Lenny do now? What will happen with Lenny now? Will they lose their stake? You've always got to have that outer momentum, and that allows the quietness of the inner human story. To because if you only did this, we'd probably be bored, as readers.
3: Yeah. We wouldn't. There's two things going on. Always. Yeah. 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 In memoir or fiction.
0: Uh, Yeah. Okay. I mean, in a really good memoir. In <laughs> really bad memoirs, <laughs> there are other things happening. So um... it might have been there were 49 scenes in the book, and there are 67 scenes in the movie, which is interesting. There are fewer scenes in the book this time than there are in the movie, and often you find somewhat the opposite, about 130 scenes in the movie traditionally about 60 per section, I mean 30 per section of the W chart. So in this case there are more scenes, 67 scenes, and certain aspects of the book are left out of the movie. Okay, so what was not in the movie that was in the book?
1: The most notable thing to me was the end what the was the question what was in the book that was not in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. The, mo- the uh, is Lenny Lenny's uh, fantasy about being on the far- the ranch farm that they were going to go to, and talking to the rabbits, and and uh, talking with his aunt Claire. Was it mm-hmm. Clara, yeah. Claire. The scene with Crooks was much different.
0: Yes the fact that he gets involved in the stake. He asks Candy (coughs) if he can be part of the stake, and Candy says that he'll ask George and Lenny. And also, the woman comes in, and she bullies Crooks to the point of his total withdrawal, because she says, do you know how quickly I could make everything very hard for you? So she's using her power as a white person over, and a white woman over him which creates this psychological withdrawal for Crooks. Which is an interesting juxtaposition because in the scene with Crooks, he is using his power over Lenny. He's using the, the terror that Lenny has in his own mind that something bad might happen to George, and he's using this as a way to have leverage over Lenny to show what it feels like to be powerful over another man. And then when Lenny looks like he might just strangle him, and he recognizes the physical challenges between the two of them, Crooks being um, weaker and smaller, he backs down. And then he says, it's just because I'm crazy, because I'm left alone, because those white men, they don't let me in to their world. And now you know what it feels like, as if Lenny can really learn some kind of lesson from Crooks. So we see this really complex character in Crooks where he comes out and he actually becomes mean like they talk about. Mm -hmm. He becomes a mean person out of his own fury and frustration and then the white woman who also suffers her own frustration uses her power and she's mean over Crook. So it really is about power disparity in the book. But none of that is present other than that little moment of meanness between Crooks and Lenny. So it really does Cut that down to its kind of bare essence. You kind of even wonder why was it there? What purpose did it serve? Um, Okay, so that was the other thing that was left out. And I'm sure we mentioned last week the fact that the two men don't walk away together at the end of the movie. But in fact, we have George on a train alone. Did we mention that last Mm -hmm. week? Mm -hmm. And so... Those are kind of the three things that are left out. What's added in is uh, a visual of the girl running. That's the opening right. scene versus the opening scene in the book being just the side of the river, and the two men emerging, and then that's told as backstory. And her dress is torn, and we don't. And in the book, it was a girl. In the movie, it's a woman. And so that's a different, a little girl versus a woman. Um, and the story isn't really told in the same way, like he just wanted to touch the dress and he, I think he does tell it to Slim, but there's some implication that might there might be more to it. When the girl walks on the set in the movie, Lenny grabs his crotch in the movie. And it was something you might not have noticed, but that immediately sends the message to the viewer that Lenny is a sexual predator mm-hmm. one we have a different opening we open with the woman running with the torn dress it's a woman versus a girl in the book and that aspect of the story doesn't come in until well after it's set up Two, when the first appearance of the girl happens in the story Lenny grabs his crotch in the movie but in the book there's no implication that there's a sexual attraction there's only a curiosity about the woman. Midway through the book there's a long scene with Crooks interacting first with Lenny showing a power disparity between Crooks over Lenny and then Candy comes in there's a discussion of the stake. Crooks asked to go and be part of the stake. then the girl comes in and she starts to show this very intense power over Crooks to the point of threatening his very life, which has Crooks withdraw. None of that is in the movie. There's no stake. there's no woman. And then later, at the end of the movie, when Lenny is out at the riverside, George is in a very subdued state, very dulled down, very kind of monotone. And he starts to tell Lenny about the stake while having Lenny look off in the distance, but barely two sentences in, he stands up and he shoots Lenny execution style in the movie. In the book, he tells almost the entire stake story again. And we never get the sense that he's standing and shooting Lenny like execution style in a in a kind which feels like anger to mm-hmm. the viewer. But in the book, it feels like he struggles. He doesn't want to kill his friend, but inevitably he does. In the movie, George is on a train riding away, still in his subdued state. But in the book, Slim comes up to Lenny at the very end and says some crucial words that kind of change everything. He said... Slim twitched George's elbow. Come on, George, me and you, and go go in and get a drink. George let himself be helped to his feet. Yeah, a drink. Slim said, you had it, George. I swear you had it. Come on with me. He led George into the entrance of the trail and up towards the highway. Curly and Carlson looked after them, and Carlson said, now what the hell you suppose is eating them two guys? Which is a completion of an arc that we were talking about earlier. So remember, if George is the hero, and the outer arc was, will Lenny do something to put their stake at risk? Will he escalate in his uh, bad behaviors? And then the inner arc, because George is our hero, the inner arc is, who is who is George without Lenny? Meaning, what is George's character? because Lenny brings something out in George that otherwise wouldn't be there and would might go the other direction into this meanness that you constantly see reinforced through, through Curly, through the girl through Crooks, through Carlson and at the very end you can say okay well that is the arc because it resolves the arc when Slim comes to George and says he had it, George showing that compassion for George showing that compassion for what has become his friend and leads him away to go and have a drink And so these two men moving towards a higher order of men separate from Curly and Carlson who look after them, and Carlson says, now what the hell you suppose is eating them two guys? So they clearly don't get it, right? And that's a huge part of the plot. But in the movie, there's no Slim, there's no Carlson, and there's no Curly. So there's no representation of this division of these men going into this new consciousness away from this lower state lower masculine to the higher masculine right the light versus the dark but the movie has a whole different emphasis I think the outward plot does remain the same what will Lenny do next definitely increases our sense of tension throughout the movie but what is the inner arc who is George without Lenny doesn't seem to be the struggle especially based on our final scene. Why don't you guys tell me what you think the inner arc is for the movie?
1: Will George end his relationship with Lenny and uh, go solo?
2: He talks about that several times.
0: How much can George take Mm -hmm. of Lenny? What's the breaking point for George, right? seems to be the inner arc. How much more can he take, right? Which is kind of a lame arc. When you think about the book, the book is such a rich arc. Right. Why do you think that the movie did that? I mean, it's not that hard of a thing to maintain integrity to the book. Why do you think that the movie didn't go for the inner arc of George's transformation as a result of Lenny and his life? Why did the movie turn Lenny into a sexual predator and why did it deny us the complexity of the woman's character who was as mean as the men in some ways? Mm-hmm. She was mean. She thought, was mean to crooks. So why did they make her a, a, a victim
3: and Lenny a predator? I thought the, This is not an answering your question, but I thought the woman in the movie was very different than the one I pictured in the book. Right. The one I pictured in the book was more of a harlot type wearing a a tight red dress and, and uh, having I don't know dyed while blonde or something. <laughs> right. And in the movie she was beautiful and she was she looked wholesome to me. Right. And so she it, it turned it into more of a girl who's stuck in this prairie place and she's bored.
0: Like a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a victim. Yeah. Right. And Lenny's a predator. I mean, and why would they have Lenny grab his crotch in the
5: movie? Yeah, because the I, movie really does express more of that dark masculine energy without all the emotional nuances, without George's internal struggle about what's best for Lenny, and what it's it's really about the anger and the crotch grabbing and the um, the the dark energy. I think movies go for the
0: dramatic.
2: Um,
0: So, having Lenny be a sexual predator is, uh, you know, interesting, dramatic. And then women are not treated fairly in movies. As a mean uh, Mm -hmm. harlot woman, she was kind of interesting, but they toned (laughs) her down. it's just kind of, they went for the simplest possible interpretation. that's the word, keep Mm -hmm. it simple. Yeah, because yeah. I, the viewer must be too stupid to understand the nuances of human character. Yeah, right? so we had him over there, <clears throat> have Lenny Gravis crotch, and they have this pure woman be a victim. Right. You know That way they'll get it.
3: <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say the common, what commonly appeals. I mean, people commonly go for... Sex stories.
0: Maybe there's some kind of belief that moviegoers are not very
5: intelligent. Yeah. But that's oh, <laughs> well, the that yeah. stereotype. Too. Yeah. They went with
1: stereotypes.
5: We right?
1: can also generalize that movies are going to appeal to plot and action rather than character development. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think right. that's right. that's yeah. a fair thing to say. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that uh, hey, you're starting off with of mice and men. You already have an audience.
0: You know, the movie appeals to the masses. Like, oh, yeah, predictable, big, dumb guy, and here's the poor, innocent girl who's just misunderstood, who becomes his next victim, right? But after you read the book, it kind of may, I don't know about you, but kind of pissed me off mm-hmm. because um, no we, justice as a species, <laughs> really needs story to grow we need story to increase our empathy, not our insensitivity and our stupidity. I think there's plenty of stupidity on the planet already. Do we need really more to reinforce it? Or do we need to be tested? Yeah, well it becomes more about money, more about lulling the masses, more about giving them what we think they want, versus what the author intended and what this great piece of literature was about. It's about loneliness. It's about how people become when they're isolated from one another. It's about living a life that has no substance or value, just working and then getting drunk and getting laid at the end of the week. That's not a life. People aren't evolving. And so this book really speaks to that. And that's, I think, why it's a classic, because, and it's so short, but so poignant. What would be the controlling idea of this story?
2: Mm.
0: That's a very good question. Cont- Let's review controlling idea. A single sentence describing how and why life undergoes change from one condition of existence at the beginning to another at the end. So the controlling idea, I'm going to grab my glasses so I can see things better. The controlling idea, then, life begins, there's one condition of existence at the beginning, and the one condition of existence at the beginning is we have each other. They are there for each other. I've got you. You've got me. We look out for each other. Other guys, they travel alone, but not us. We're together. There are limits to unconditional love, I think, would be a controlling idea. What Mm -hmm. are the limits? There are limits to unconditional love and connection. Because in this situation, murder becomes the limit for George. He can't, I think as a human being, get behind what Lenny has done. He knows that he's come to the end of the line. Now, if it was only about staying connected and having one another for each other, he would have found a different way to solve this problem. They could have gone into an irrigation ditch again, and he and waited it out. They could have jumped a train. They could have done a lot of things. The author could have done a million things to get Lenny and George out of this situation. They got out of the situation of mashing up Curly's hand. That wasn't the limit. In fact, they created a bunch of conspiracy. You got your hand caught in a machine, Mm -hmm. right? So we see there that a group of people will protect someone against darker forces. But this, snapping this girl's neck, that's kind of the end of the line for George. Does that make sense, Catherine? So the condition at the beginning of the story was companionship at any cost, connection, devotion to each other. And at the
2: end, there's a limit to that. Maybe then there... What it's telling us is that there is no such thing as unconditional love because there's always a condition. There is, if there's a limit, how can it be unconditional? As long condition? as there is
0: a human being involved, there are limits. Mm-hmm. Society involved with rules, governing rules.
3: <clears throat> yeah, it would be society that would do the limiting because, as you said before, I'm not so sure that if this incident wasn't basically witnessed by these other people... That George would, that George would have, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
5: Well, and I'm thinking that George killing Lenny in the end wasn't that wasn't so much that he had reached his limit, he crossed the line. It was, it was a continuation of his responsibility mm-hmm. for Lenny. It, it felt to him like it was the final thing he could do to protect Lenny from something that may be even worse. Thought
1: so too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unconditional love. Yeah, Yeah. right. So I don't
5: think it was the end of the unconditional love. I think it was the ultimate Mm -hmm. playing out of this sense of responsibility that he had, the promise that he made to the aunt. I will take care of him. This is
0: assuming that the controlling idea is connected to one character. It's Mm -hmm. not a controlling idea is connected to the entire story. So at the beginning, Mm -hmm. there are no limits to unconditional love. George has protected Lenny no matter what, right, Mm -hmm. in order to live. And in the end, he is still protecting Lenny, but it's not in order to live, it's to have a less painful death. So he's accelerated the outcome of Lenny's life because there is a condition placed in him in the situation by society and by the conditions of that time. They were all going to kill him and it might have been a painful death, right? Right? I mean, George knew that Lenny had to face justice. George wasn't denying that. He was saying, can we find another way? Can we bring him in? He's like, even if they do bring him in, they're going to cage him up, George, and that's not good. They don't really know what the outcome would be if he was in jail. Was that inhumane for him to be in jail? But that's a a godlike decision George makes, right? Is that you could say, well, that's unconditional love, But that's also the limits of his capacity to understand the situation, right? Um, Charmin and then Alan.
4: It's kind of like the animal that they euthanized. I mean, that's what I keep thinking about when he's almost euthanized uh, Lenny. Um, You know, the things... I I think there's the combination of things, the the constraints from society, but I, I think that, like I agree, it was his responsibility and, you know... There was just that point where he had to make that decision, like you would when you've, if you've ever euthanized an animal, or the animal in the story, you know.
0: Right. So I'm actually going to look up the controlling idea
1: of mice and men. Yeah, go ahead, um, Alan. So I had a uh, secondary controlling idea, and that is in the title, which really threw me off at first of mice and men. I kept on thinking of many mice. Man, Slim, and uh, George. But when I actually read the poem by Robert Burns, it came up with a totally different meaning, like the best laid plans of mice and men. In other words, to me, people make plans so God can laugh, um, and which is what happens in the poem. Right. Mm-hmm. And the mice makes all this plans, and then the farmer comes in and just... <laughs> Ruins his nest and habitat and all of that, um, and that everyone in this story is planning, um, and uh, especially George and Lenny and Candy and Crooks, and then life intervenes and Rose ruins the whole thing.
0: Well, now I looked up in *Course Hero*. What the controlling idea was. And here they say, Lenny Small is alone responsible and culpable for the manslaughter of Curly's wife. George Milton had absolutely no accountability for this abominable crime. He should be completely exculpated. Though many argue with confidence that due to the fact that George Milton repeatedly ignored the crimes of Lenny Small, he was responsible for the murder. That's interesting, isn't it? That's a totally different direction. (laughs) It's like...
1: And why is he responsible? I
4: do not agree. And why do we have because to take their word? I do not agree Well, with no, that. that's why we're having this, <laughs> that's that's why we're having this
0: a conversation. Yeah. This is not necessarily to say what what it is or what it isn't. But the controlling idea, remember, the controlling idea was created, well, the, the term controlling idea is like an um, increase of theme. So it's like, what is the common through line, storyline of a, of a book or, or a movie that can be stated in a single sentence describing how and why life undergoes change from one condition of existence at the beginning to another at the end. And at the beginning, the primary core belief was, we're better off because we have each other. I look out for you, you look after me. And maybe the controlling idea is, there's only so much looking after one man can do for another, right? Because inevitably, each man is responsible for his actions and held responsible independently that might be a more evolved controlling idea because that's true because even though they do look out for each other there's a limit to how much george can protect lenny when lenny takes on his own hand a decision to end a life beyond a puppy or a mouse right charman
4: well i kind of think the theme or whatever is it starts out, the setting is Soledad, so it's alone everybody's kind of born into the world alone and they're making their own ways and have their own lives, but when it really gets down to it, the scene in in chapter 4 with um, Crooks is where he says, you know it don't don't make no difference if someone doesn't hear or understand the thing is they're talking and um, it's just being with another guy, that's all so I think people may start out alone, but ultimately you realize in life you need others. And if you look at all the different characters, everybody is really kind of on that. They're either unhappy because they're not belonging or they're not connected. And even in the end, um, when Lenny is killed, then he and George and Slim go off together. So there's more of the seeking of a connection with another human.
0: So state that in the form of a single sentence describing how and why life undergoes change from one condition at the beginning to another at the end,
4: as a controlling idea. We start out alone, but humans need others. And that's the essence of what, of my and men. I think so.
0: Okay, interesting.
2: Um, maybe the controlling idea, in mice and men is related to the strength of friendship. There, they have, they were, the friendship went all the way through. And what, how far will someone go within that friendship? At first, it was just a matter of keeping Winnie out of trouble. Right. But in the end, because of that friendship and the connection between the two, George was willing to go to the ultimate.
3: I can't help but think about the 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 immensity and strength of Lenny and his extreme vulnerability <coughs> being together in that guy and how much <coughs> part of the story that was because he could fuck the whatever it's called the weed or whatever mm-hmm. more than way you know ten times more than any man and yet he had this very gentle, uh, childlike self, and so it seems like there's such a a huge disparity between those two people within one person, and what happens to somebody when they're powerful and strong, and and a man among other men, uh, what happens to that person when things go wrong? Michelle, when you said, No, oh, I'm losing my train of thought.
4: Unconditional?
3: No, about about protecting him and killing him in the end and how he was actually, um, he was protecting him from what would have happened to Lenny, because mm-hmm. Lenny wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. If he was mm-hmm. dragged to jail and, and, and taunted by people and people hated him and everything, It would have absolutely destroyed him even before he was hung or shot or whatever was going to happen. And so George was protecting him from that. And I think George Killing was an act of friendship. I do, too. He was protecting
0: him. Okay, so the controlling idea, back in your story by Robert McKee on page 115, says the controlling idea has two components, value plus cause. It identifies the positive or negative charge at the story's, of the story's critical value at the last act's climax. And it identifies the chief reason that this value has changed to its final state. So at the beginning, we stand by each other, we protect each other, and in the end, he is shooting him in the back of the head. I will protect you no matter what. We're gonna stick together, we travel together, we look out for each other. That is not happening. So it's a complete flip. Even if it's a compassionate act, taking a person's life is not protecting them. It is choosing to be God. It's George. He could have found a way for Lenny to escape. He could have. He got a gun. He knew where he was going. He had a head on everybody else. He could have. He even told Lenny, meet me at this place. You do something bad, meet me at this place. But what is the thing that has him not run off with Lenny and try to protect him and save him at any cost, but in fact kill him? What is the value in George that has changed?
5: The cost is too great. Because what will happen to George? Well, because George will suffer.
0: George will lose his life.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: He'll pay for Lenny's crime So ultimately what they were saying at that other website Is that Lenny alone is responsible for his actions That's pretty close to a controlling idea Up to that point, George has been making nothing but excuses for Lenny He ain't mean You know, he didn't do it it because he was mean So he's constantly making excuses for Lenny And at the end it doesn't matter if Lenny is mean or not now he's done something that's so severe that if George doesn't do something, he'll be twisted into this act, and he could lose his life. So George has ultimately chosen his life over Lenny's. While you could say it's a compassionate act, George is free. And if George had partnered up with Lenny, he would have been caught up in it, which he says in the final one of the final acts of the book. I don't want them to think I was a part of it. Make sure that they don't think I was a part of. Don't let them know I've been in here, right? So he's already self-preserving right there. Wow. Oh yeah. So there, if you kind of focus on the 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 controlling idea from the value, what does George value that changes abruptly, then you have the answer to the question. So it's a really wonderful conversation, you guys, to get into this (coughs) controlling idea. Thank you for asking the question, what is a controlling idea, What uh, what are the two aspects that go into it, value plus cause, and it's at that climactic moment when our character flips from either positive to negative or negative to positive that we see the outcome and we see the change, and then we track back to the beginning. And we see how the character was one way and how they flipped to be another way, and then why. And that's the core value. Ultimately, George chooses himself over Lenny, right? Because Lenny is responsible, and that's the limit of friendship. You've been listening to Lit Lessons, a podcast production of the Blackbird Studio for Writers. Find out more about our immersion studies at blackbirdstudiopdx.com. The music for our production was provided by The Dimes. Thank you.